Jaws for a Minute, the podcast which takes a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's 1975 classic film Jaws, minute by minute or thereabouts. I'm Sarah Buddery. And I'm MJ Smith. And uh, welcome to episode 34 a second time, Sarah. (laughs) Yes, uh, we had to re-record this one, but it's okay. It will be even better the second time around. I am sure of it. Yep. Uh, (laughs) The good news is we don't tire of talking about this film. So uh, that that works in our favor. Um, this week's episode is covering the scene that happens from 54 minutes and 47 seconds to 55 minutes and 40 seconds, uh, which is, is this our shortest scene? It is, yeah. This is uh, Let's Jaws for 53 seconds today, not Let's Jaws for a minute. So, yeah, this is the shortest, I think. (laughs) Yeah, well, we need a new logo. Shut it down. (laughs) Um, So this scene is, it opens uh, with a pretty, once again, darkly funny um, button on the previous montage scene where... Um, some children are playing a an arcade go- an arcade game ugh, an arcade game called Killer Shark and it is a game where they're shooting a shark and then Brody walks by with uh is it Harry? Yeah, Harry Meadows. Um yeah, so so Brody and yeah, Harry Meadows, not bad hat Harry. Uh <laughs> walk by and and the beach is packed. And Brody's on a walkie-talkie to Hooper and some other uh, hired hands, some other shark mercenaries um, out in uh, on the water. Um, they're just communicating back and forth, looking out for the shark, ta- you know, giving updates, asking for updates, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and Brody's walking by this group of people, and it is absolutely packed. There's a lot of people on the beach, but there's nobody in the water um and it's it's fourth of july at this point it's uh you know a lot of people on the beach and um we just kind of see that and then we see a reporter which is a very fun cameo uh which we'll get to later and he reports uh about uh what's been going on in amity and uh informs us that while it's a normal fourth of july celebration there is a cloud hanging over amity a cloud in the shape of a killer shark and uh that's that's the end of the scene sure yeah okay i can i can start us off i think uh in this scene so we talked uh last week uh episode 33 that is (laughs) on um the use of color in that scene so specifically the red white and blue and what that meant and and we went uh into quite a lot of detail uh about about that and um obviously symbolic colors given that this is the fourth of july this is an american film and and we spoke a lot about that in last week's episode and 
right at the the start, or pretty much right at the start of the scene, after it's uh, the Killer Shark arcade game bit, we see Harry and he's in in pursuit of uh, Brody at this point. And all three of those uh, colours are represented on his outfit. So he's wearing like a pale blue uh, shirt. He's wearing red trousers and white shoes. Uh, it's a real, it's a real choice of uh, colours on this outfit here. But he is uh, very clearly feeling patriotic on this uh, auspicious day. But as well as those colours, what I notice is pretty near to the start of this scene there's a very high concentration of another color that we have spoken a lot about in previous episodes which is yellow but then something interesting happens with that color so i think i wrote down the exact time <laughs> the exact time stamp um nope i didn't that's for another bit later anywho's it's uh <laughs> right when harry is, is saying the guys from the tv station on the mainland are here um and just in that shot we can see uh, there is a yellow barrel over on the left so a nice little nod to things we have seen and things we are yet to see the bandstand that is uh with the green roof that's in the background there has got sort of yellow bits on the side of the pillars and the the slats are sort of like yellow and white as well there is about three four maybe five people all in this shot um that are wearing entirely yellow outfits or bathing suits and then there is the yellow uh souvenir stall as well which looks like it's selling more of the the sort of shark souvenirs that we saw in the previous scene as well um so yellow if you uh somehow have never missed never listened to uh, an episode of this podcast before and this is your entry point welcome uh odd place to start but you know whatever whatever you want to do um yeah i I admire that power move (laughs) yes i'm just gonna start off at 54 minutes and 47 seconds uh because reasons um but yeah the the yellow is generally the the color used to sort of signal danger or symbolize the shark or the shark about to kind of make its uh its big appearance uh or make an impact on the scene and the there's this like i said very kind of high concentration of this color right at the start but then as brody moves like closer to the ocean the people wearing yellow they sort of start to disperse um across the beach and they become harder and harder to spot i just thought this was a super interesting visual thing or way of representing the fact that you know the with all of these people on the beach with all of this chaos with all of this music and movement and boats and helicopters and goodness knows what happening it's going to get harder and harder to do anything about this shark so we see that color sort of start to integrate into the rest of the people on the beach and when Brody is sort of walking across and walking over to the ocean you can still pick it out but it's sort of scattered and it's much much harder to see so I just thought that was a very interesting way of using that color and we've seen this color used in very interesting ways throughout this film and it sort of made me think as well with the contrast with a an an earlier beach scene that we spent a whole month uh dissecting in alex kintner month um when the yellow was so obvious it was literally wiping itself across the screen um and you couldn't you couldn't miss it uh and the you know the the raft as well that alex was on is also also yellow and 
yeah, in this scene, it's sort of like a lot of it at the start and then it sort of filters out. I just thought it was a very interesting way of of emphasizing, I guess, the, the difficult task they now have on their hands of trying to find this shark. Yeah, it also, I feel like it, you know, maybe a stretch, but <laughs> I, I feel like it is sort of the... Did you ever do this in like your health classes or whatever? Um, or is your education system normal where <laughs> they like, they use it to, sh it, it, it's an illustration that we use to show how quickly sexually transmitted diseases are, um, where they like, they'll put a substance on like three or four people in the classroom's hands and then, um, it shows up, the, the substance shows up under blacklight, and uh, then they have those people go and touch, I think, like, one or two other people, and then one person from there. Like, and eventually what happens is, like, your odds of getting it are extremely high, even if just, like, a couple people start out mm. with it, right? And so, I mean, I guess COVID, right? Same thing. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> any any disease really and um but i feel like this also shows like you just never know who right because we don't i most of the people here don't get attacked by the shark right yeah. like you know also the shark's not attacking that trash bin the shark's not attacking the gazebo this isn't you know <laughs> we're, we're not talking about chevy chase in a, a costume on snl here like this is he's still a shark shark um and uh i mean people are gonna get a land shark reference if you're listening to this you probably understand who land shark is anyway uh but like all i don't think any of the people in yellow here are um are going to be really attacked by the shark at all because there's only two more victims and i don't think quint is just hanging out on the beach in his yellow swim trunks that just does not seem like uh that does not seem like a move he would do um so you know i i think it is just kind of an interesting visual of that uncertainty right like it's not it's just because they don't get eaten by the shark doesn't mean they're entirely safe either mm. um you know and and i think it's it's he's kind of highlighting that of like yeah you know the the odds are low i guess because He's only attacking, you know, one person at a time, it seems like. But at the same time, it could be any of these people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it seems like the when the, the previous beach scene, it seemed like there were a lot fewer people on the beach at that time, because at that time, the tourists hadn't arrived as well. It was generally just the locals kind of enjoying maybe like the last quiet Saturday or Sunday on the beach before the uh the the summer ginks as they as they call them or the tourists arrive in town so obviously now there's just there's just more people it's just it's just going to be harder to manage this whole situation but the yeah the 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 spreading out of that isn't now sort of like like you said that all of these people are are going to be attacked or are going to be are going to be injured it's just what i sort of saw it as was you know just how much harder this situation is now to to get a hold of given how many extra people there there are just in this in this area <clears throat> i mentioned 
the darkly funny button on the previous scene of ending it with like a big shark, like a big fake shark, uh, right in the middle of the screen. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's on this arcade game, which I want to talk about the history of the arcade game because it's related to pinball and I'm a nerd, but, uh, <laughs> It also serves as this really great, like, connective bridge between the two things where it's like, you know, we have the previous montage with, you know, uh, tourists on the menu as the the, the track <laughs> underneath it. And um, then we put this, like, darkly comic button on it, but then it serves into this thing of like, hey, the shark is here uh, in this next scene, like. You know, we saw tourists on the menu arriving and now here they are prepared and ready for uh, the shark. You know, like they have they have applied their seasoning in suntan lotion and, uh, you know, been garnished with their yellow swimsuits. And so, uh, what a weird metaphor, but all right. It worked. Um, (laughs) And so this this shark, this like fake video game shark. serves as like this connection between the two things where it's like hey you guys are having a jaunty fun time shark time you know and it's uh it's very funny um and like kind of cruel it's like playfully mean and um it's real great i love that that little uh bit with the shark i've always loved that part um but i think it 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 does serve as like important um efficient which we talk about a lot, visual storytelling for what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's. I guess like um, before you sort of like tell us a bit more about the the game as well, because I think it's 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 really interesting. And I going into this wasn't sure if it was a real game or not, and then I was like, MJ will know the answer to this, so I won't bother to look it up. <laughs> um, which is, you know, I I could have googled it but i chose not to um the foreshadowing in that game as well obviously it's it's a game where they've uh, the player has like a gun and it's shooting at the at the shark um and that is the fate that we see of the shark as well like mm-hmm. right at the end of the film um is brody obviously who who fires the gun and, and kills the shark so um even though it is like a like you said a sort of darkly funny uh kind of like bit to have in the film especially as it seems i don't it doesn't it's not super clear whether a child is playing that game or whether there's just like children sort of like in that little bit of the beach where there's other arcade games as well but the the thing that you hear over the the killer shark uh visuals is kids sort of being like get him get him and like yeah <laughs> yelling as well so it's quite um considering that we have seen a a small boy chomped on by a shark uh not that long ago really it's it's again like another sort of like slightly like dark comedic thing that these kids are then sort of like egging on this uh brutal uh dispatching of a of a shark on a video game but um yeah tell us tell us all about killer shark because i'm i'm super intrigued to to hear about it so killer shark is not quite a video game first of all even though it looks like one it is completely electro uh uh electromagnetic is what they call it so um well and i'll explain that in a second but it's from sega like the sonic people um they made killer shark and it is a very rare find 
Um, I don't know of anywhere you can play it on location anymore, which sucks because I like one of my Jaws bucket list things is to play this game. Um, but it's more closely related to pinball than a video game in that, uh, like I said, everything is mechanical in it. So it's um, it, that shark is a, it's like a physical like projection of a shark. So there's just a light flickering back and forth between different um, basically outlines of the shark. And then there's a sensor that detects like when the the fake harpoon hits the 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 shark in it. So um, there's 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 sort of three eras of of pinball, but the the two I'll talk about is there's the EM era and then the SS era. And EM is like electromechanical, not electromagnetic. Dumb, electromechanical and solid state. And um, so electromechanical machines are like the old 1950s. You see them in the background of like Happy Days and stuff. Um, they, a lot of them have like, just like a white cabinet on them with like a big wedged head. And the reason for that is because, and this is why they call them electromechanical. They have a physical score meter. You know, I don't know how much pinball you've ever played, but you know, you'll see the, the score literally like you, and you'll hear like a tick like, like that when you're scoring points and you'll hear physical like bells and chimes and stuff in it where like you know there's and they still use those pinball sounds in modern day movies even though they're not playing on an electromechanical uh, machine but like the the real like <laughs> dings and and um chimes and things those are all physical components that are actually in the game a solid state machine on the other hand does all that digitally so it has a digital sound system it has a digital scoreboard on it so um that those didn't come around until right around this time so very like close to uh when killer shark was around the first solid state pinball machines were starting to come out um including a bicentennial themed one called spirit of 76 which is widely believed to be the first solid state machine ever made uh which is a weird connection to jaws because we've talked about the america of it all and uh it being close to the bicentennial um and so it exists in this weird, like, in-between space between video game and pinball machine, but also era of electromechanical and solid-state pinball machine. And so um, because it's electromechanical, it is incredibly hard to take care of um, <laughs> because it has a lot of physical moving parts. It's easier to do maintenance on it if something breaks because of the mechanical nature of it but there's a lot of things in that machine that can break pretty easily especially as the machine gets older obviously like something like this is on a seaside where it's getting like salty air dumped on it every day yeah. and it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna eat away the paint on the cabinet it's gonna eat away the wood on the cabinet it's gonna really screw up the the mechanical workings of it so i think a lot of those types of like machines because we if you look there's several what look to be other electromechanical video game type machines arcade machines mm -hmm. on that boardwalk and i think a, i think a lot of them occupied spaces like that and so i think a lot of them degraded really really quickly because of that saltwater air mm -hmm. <laughs> um so that's killer shark and i really want to play it and uh there's like a couple in private collections but i don't know of anywhere where you can find it and play it Mm -hmm. if our if our listeners know or on the off chance you have one uh please let us know we would love to well particularly you mj i know would love to play it but 
I this is a new thing I've had to add to my Jaws bucket list, uh, which is a real thing. So I now need to play Killer Shark somehow. Uh, now that I know it is a real thing as well, because I'll be honest, like when I sort of first saw this bit or in all the other times I've watched this film previously, I've not been sure of like whether this is a real game. And it looks pretty sort of like convincing with the, you know, the branding and everything on it, the actual machine itself. Um but wasn't certain if it was just a thing they had kind of like put into the film for a gag so i'm glad that it is real um and i'm glad that it exists in the film uh specifically because it feel it's something that you can really uh speak into a lot mj because obviously this is like your other <laughs> your other area of expertise uh jaws and pinball and this is the, the yeah or pinball machines and this is the beautiful moment where the two sort of meet so this is this scene feels like peak MJ, and I'm very, I'm happy that it is there. <laughs> so, so you can tell us all about it. But um, yeah, I, I, I want to play this also now. <laughs> yeah, you can, um, you can actually find uh, like a three-minute video on YouTube. Uh, it's called Sega Killer Shark Video Game, but they put video in quotes um, ah, okay. because it's not, it's not quite a video game. Um, <laughs> also, it looks like there is a like fake version like a digital version you can play like yeah. you can just download but screw that yeah not as good it's not the same we want the real thing or nothing uh here we strive for authenticity at all times yes absolutely uh so if you have a killer shark bring it to the let's jobs for a minute meetup in 2025 at martha's vineyard and <laughs> please yeah i mean that's obviously where they filmed it so i don't know yeah. i doubt that that one in the film is actually <laughs> could you imagine if it is still there on the beach that would be truly Oof, magnificent. it's gonna be in rough shape yeah those are not ideal conditions for a machine like that at all <laughs> yeah it's like uh, sand sea wind no i don't the the game being uh 49 years old at this point <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe it's maybe it's just been left there as like a monument and it doesn't actually work anymore it's just uh it's just a thing to look at but that's not the same we we want to play it we want the real thing <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty wild like uh going and playing and like it always feels like a small miracle whenever you get a chance to play an electromechanical pinball machine even mm. Um, nowadays it's largely relegated to like museums, arcade museums and pinball museums. Um, but they're, they're so different to play compared to like a modern day. Uh, they're a lot harder and, uh, there are people who specialize in it. So like, if you go to a tournament, uh, that's like a big, at a big arcade game convention, cause that's where they have a lot of the pinball tournaments. There's an entire class just called classics and it is just playing electromechanical games and it's i don't know how people do it it's so slow mm. but also like you know the 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 tilt uh mechanic in it where if you shake the machine too much you tilt mm -hmm. if you do that in an electromechanical game you end the game for everyone playing that machine mm. <laughs> um so it's if you, if you tilt on an electromechanical uh, in a tournament it's an automatic disqualification yeah, um, because you've essentially <laughs> ruined the game. Um, and uh, yeah, that's not the case in, in, in modern games. So they're they're a lot harder and a lot like, but it is really like weird. Uh, 
they're loud too um mm. so i imagine this game is pretty loud because it has all these motors ticking and whirring and um you know going back and forth and then the 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 feedback of you know when your score goes up you like that's that's a motorized mechanical thing um in it so it's it's got to be weird to like play something i've never i don't think i've ever played an electromechanical game like that besides pinball um i didn't even know those were really a thing until i did the research on killer shark for this (laughs) so pretty cool then that the that well i guess just that that like i said that there is something in this film that is like sort of pinball adjacent as as well so yeah (laughs) <laughs> if anyone wants to listen to MJ talk more about pinball, I would recommend it. Uh, you did an episode of uh, Fundamentals with uh, Friend yep. of the Pod, Harley, and it's a really fascinating listen. I'm not just saying that because you're here. I know almost nothing about it, and I came out of it then like wasting hours. I say wasting, it was a, a good use of my time. Um, spending many, many hours then like looking up very cool pinball machines on YouTube. So, um, if you're gonna listen to that episode, be prepared to then like lose an entire evening uh, as you <laughs> look up well, yeah, the it, things you mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I like not not to turn this into the sequel to that episode, but like <laughs> the the way the technology has evolved, they do some wild shit in a pinball machine nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a far cry from from Killer Shark or any of the sort of like pinball machines of that era, I guess. <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah (laughs) anyway um so (laughs) one of my favorite things in the scene is the weird nicknames everything has that (laughs) over the over the over the the walkie-talkie it just why so like there's someone named gotcha so like like that's one of the call signs is brody comes in and he's like uh you know brody to gotcha or whatever and then he's talking to the boat that Hooper's on, and he calls it Scut Bucket. <laughs> I think there's Daisy as well. Like Daisy, Gotcha, and Scut Bucket were the ones that I picked out. But yeah, my favorite rockabilly band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The supporting act for whatever the uh, other band that we came up with were Sloppy Chummers. Was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Sloppy Chummers. <laughs> yeah (laughs) yeah i it's hard to like pick out the the things that they the people in the boats then say back you just get like a lot of um static oh fascinating rhythm that's fascinating rhythm yeah yeah that's the name of their first album Um, yep yeah (laughs) that's exactly what i was gonna say (laughs) um yeah so it's it's sort of like you can't hear the responses of the things that they're saying on the boat. Obviously, we then get like a very, very brief uh, Hooper bit as well, where he just says that uh, there's nothing here, nothing on sonar as well. So um, he's obviously out with the uh, with the sort of shark crew or the shark spotters. I think they uh, one of the things that um, even like back as far as like the town meeting, I think one of Brody's suggestions or things of like keeping the keeping the beach safe is by having like shark spotters who are out so they can as soon as they see a a sign of a a shark or a fin which we we see a a great fake out coming in a few scenes time um that they can then alert the people on the beach to to get out the water and and that sort of thing so 
I obviously these are like fairly kind of like obvious connections, but I I always like it in a film where something is mentioned earlier and it seems like quite a throwaway a throwaway thing, but then we actually see it realized. And Jaws is really really good at doing that and sort of like laying down these um these breadcrumbs and and these threads for for us to then pick up later and even with the um the sort of the media attention on the beach as well obviously we get our great um most 1970s reporter ever in the form of peter benchley and and we'll talk about him in a minute but even like right at the start of this scene um there is another guy like with a camera who is being sort of followed by someone with like a portable mic kind of set up as well so Mm -hmm. it's clear that this story is generating media attention um as as well and that is something that that is mentioned obviously i think like way back in the bit where they sort of find the find and kill the the tiger shark that's when harry meadows at that stage is like oh we want to we want this to go national we want you know boston to pick this up or whatever um and so getting that media attention to obviously show that the the shark has been caught and I mean, it's kind of worked. This is this is clearly a story, whether the shark has been caught or not. So the the reporters are there, and that is um, something that we sort of like hear about earlier in the film, but then actually actually see it in this. I think is um, is quite interesting. But yeah, uh, we can, should we talk about uh, the wonderful uh, Peter Benchley and his fantastic appearance in this film? Because I love it so much. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. So. All this activity yeah. happens. So there's there's a lot of activity um, from Brody and the 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 boats, but there's not a lot of activity on the beach. Like it's just kind of people hanging out, and like mm-hmm. no one's in the water. And then we get treated to this uh, the most seventies newsman, the most seventies <laughs> newsman. It's just it's just Brick Tambland from Anchorman is the thing. He just is brick tamlin (laughs) and he's out here talking about amity island has long been known for its clean air clear water and beautiful white sand beaches but in recent days a cloud has appeared while he's like climbing these stairs on the horizon of this beautiful resort community a cloud in the shape of a killer shark and (laughs) i know I know I know we have given Peter Benchley a ration of shit for writing the book um because the book is terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he also does have a screenwriting credit on this movie. So he contributed something to the final product and I really hope it's at least this. I hope he wrote his own dialogue so much for this scene. <laughs> and it's Honestly, it's the closest the dialogue feels to the book. Like, it's real sensational and pulpy and yeah. over the top, which is exactly what the vibe of the book. So <laughs> I have a strong suspicion that he wrote his own lines for this movie. Yeah, I I really hope so. There is, there's so much I love just about this small moment. I mean, the 70s of it all, like, the that collar on his shirt is so just unnecessarily big it's great it's so big the glasses are huge as well he just he looks it's definite like brick vibes in this it's like he is taken straight out of uh, one of the anchorman films or something which is perfect i guess because he is a news guy so 
those films weren't wrong. They clearly did look like this in the seventies. <laughs> yeah. Um, but his delivery is so is so good as well, and obviously that final uh, cloud in the shape of a of a killer shark. It is delivered like it is going to be the sort of like the pull quote, and no one really talks in this way apart from news reporters and it always sort of like makes me cringe a little bit when you hear a news reporter like using um i'm just like i love i love a pun but there's sometimes there's just like an appropriate place for those and when they sort of like throw them into a news report that is actually like quite serious i'm normally like no that's uh that's (laughs) that's inappropriate but i i love it in this because you can see that being the the headline on the newspaper the next day or the sort of like the the quote that they um then have like in the in the newspaper or or on his report or whatever but also just the delivery of his lines i like the way he like really emphasizes uh the wh at the beginning of white so it's like white um Mm. that's really hard it's really hard to try and recreate but uh you know what i mean and the sort of like awkward little stumble as he like climbs onto the the higher bit of of sand as well he's so awkward he's clearly in his like smart newsreader shoes which are not like beach appropriate footwear so it's it's just all great and yeah i i think this uh the the cloud in the shape of a of a killer shark line it's one that always uh just makes me laugh just because it's quite a it's just quite a funny image i think to sort of like picture a cloud that looks like a shark and then i mean this um then became a a poster was it a mondo poster i don't know the the artist who did it but um yeah a very cool poster where it sort of uses like the clouds um as the shape of the shark and then the using the sea and and the line of the beach um to sort of like make this picture of the shark in the in the clouds which is really it's a really clever um clever poster design um but yeah i gosh i just love everything about this this (laughs) this character i love that it's peter benchley as well i think that yeah um for his uh i don't want to say his faults uh which is writing the book because if it wasn't for the book we wouldn't have the film so uh i'm glad about that but uh, we've been pretty honest about (laughs) how we feel about the book um but i'm i'm glad that uh i'm glad that he is his is here and in this sort of like glorious fashion as well it's not sort of like a a throwaway cameo it is like really really memorable i think yeah so uh one peter benchley died in 2006 which i don't know if it was from a oh pulmonary fibrosis Mm. um so it seems like he had uh some health issues but i really i really think it would have been great if they could have gotten him into the the anchorman gang fight in the first anchorman movie like that's all i can think is like him showing up from martha's vineyard news station in this outfit yeah Mm -hmm. yep and he's got like a like a i don't know like a shark tooth like uh like a knife he's fashioned out of a shark tooth or something (laughs) (laughs) in my head i was going to the extreme of like he is actually like brandishing a shark as a weapon but yours sounds i mean (laughs) That, well, that is something that happens in the second one. Exactly. It's not totally insane. 
uh, yeah, Ron Burgundy finds and nurses a shark back to health and then sings it away once it is uh, finally ready to leave the nest, as it were, uh, in the in the second Anchorman movie. Um, so I know, once again, I know we give Peter Benchley a hard time on this podcast, uh, and here's why: if you haven't read the if you haven't read the book, don't. Um, I mean, it's. <laughs> I, I'm of two minds of it where like if you're a diehard Jaws fan you should probably read it like just to just to know yeah but don't go out of your way to do it either it's like really interesting to read it and just see how different it is it's so much different mm-hmm. but at the same time Steven Spielberg himself said that he found many of the characters unsympathetic and wanted the shark to win. And boy, if that ain't the truth of the novel. That's exact. <laughs> These people are all the shittiest people in the book. Like, they're <laughs> awful, awful people in the book. And you don't like any of them. And it's just like, it's, it is not my, not my jam. It's, no. there. I guess there's a certain pulpy quality to it, but is it's not the business i don't i do not like it um but peter benchley in the last decade of his career uh became an advocate for shark conservation and regretted writing sensationalized accounts of shark attacks that he felt uh contributed to uh the calling of uh shark populations across the world out of fear and that's really cool Mm -hmm. um that I feel like that's something for like, because I feel like, and we've talked about this before, is like Jaws fans kind of find themselves at a weird spot with that because, you know, I think almost every Jaws fan loves Jaws because almost first and foremost, they love sharks. And it's weird because it's a movie about a shark getting exploded and you get happy when that happens. Like it's a big triumphant moment. <laughs> um, but sharks are interesting and cool. And, you know, we know now that shark attacks are very rare. We also know that, you know, uh, because of things like Jaws, they have contributed to things like, you know, mass murders of sharks, basically. And um, so I think it can be easy to, like, be in a weird headspace sometimes if you think about it too much, where it's like, well, I love sharks and I love Jaws, but then stuff like Jaws or, you know, whatever shark movie contributes to people being scared of them and they shouldn't really be that scared of them um and that could potentially lead to violence towards sharks and i don't want actual violence towards sharks i want to play killer shark and i want the fake shark at this movie to explode but you know that's that, that's a t- totally different those aren't real sharks um and uh so i think that it shows that you can you know both can be true like it doesn't have to be one or the other like you can love jaws because of your love of sharks and like also still root for the people to win against this killer shark at the end but also advocate for you know shark conservation and not not killing sharks and mass yeah i i can't remember if this was in um last week's episode or a future episode which we have already (laughs) recorded because obviously we're re-recording this um but jaws is not is not an anti shark film which feels like a weird thing to say but um it isn't and all of the obviously it is a film about a shark but it's not like it's not a shark film and it is not only about the shark and and obviously 
if this film was just about sharks, I really think we would struggle to pick it apart in the way that we are doing every single week, spending almost an hour or thereabouts talking about a minute or thereabouts. Uh, because, <laughs> <laughs> because there's there's not much really you can you can say about that because there there are films which are very clear in there particularly like monster movies where like the monster is the enemy the people who are good have to kill the monster yay people boo monster that is generally i mean that's a very kind of like watered down (laughs) version of like a lot of monster movies but jaws is not that and it is and isn't uh, a monster movie obviously it has a a creature in it who attacks people so yes you have to you have to consider that element a bit as well but it's about so much more than that and it's about the the way this town deals with this this problem uh the sort of collective grief and stuff that they they go through or the challenges that this community faces and and the reasons why this particular creature is so disruptive and problematic for this group of people on this island because they are an island and they they rely on the sort of the summer trade and the tourists which is is something we've spoken about a lot but jaws at its core is not is not anti-shark it's very it's very pro-human and the opposite of pro-human isn't necessarily anti-shark you can be you can be both things and none of those things <laughs> if that makes any sense whatsoever yeah. but yeah it's it's not um it's not sort of uh it particularly in like the the back half of the film like obviously yes we are we are willing for these people to succeed but we're not willing for we're not being like yeah kill that shark get that shark we just want them the people to succeed because we like the people and we feel for for their plight and what they're going through and basically we just want their sort of like problem or issue to be resolved i don't know if anyone is watching jaws like kill that shark i if you are (laughs) i think that's the wrong way of watching this film but um yeah it's it's a hard thing to 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 get across and it's it's one of those things as well where like, I, I don't there's not a sort of like right or or wrong way of of enjoying this film or watching this film but i think if if the only thing you're you're getting out of this film is that it is somehow anti-shark is i think that's the incorrect reading of this film yeah and i i would say i would go so far as to say that about most killer shark movies i am not as well versed in them as you are but like even thinking about the handful that I've seen, like Deep Blue Sea, like that's like a genetically engineered fantasy sci-fi shark. Like that's sure. it's not even a it's not even a shark movie. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, it, it has that that shark has more in common with Godzilla than it does like a great white. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so even I think even stuff like that, like or it's okay. So a more a more realistic one, like open water. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that movie is like, don't go in the ocean or screw sharks. Like, it just feels like people who had some bad luck. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Some real bad luck. Uh, But I I don't think the tone of any of these movies... Like, I feel like if you're going to undertake the making of a shark movie there's got to be some sort of base level love of sharks. Like it, yeah. at the very least is like the idea of them uh, as a creature that we just kind of have to live with. Cause it is weird to think about like, yeah, it's rare, but it's not, it doesn't not happen. 
Mm. And that's just something you have to think about if you're in the ocean. And that's real weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, uh, sharks are a, a bit of a weird one because obviously they they are real. They do exist. It's not just this sort of like fantasy, otherworldly creature, alien thing. But it's, I mean... It, I don't know if you saw that thing recently where it was like, it might have even been in California, so it feels like the sort of thing I would have sent to you, but like how sharks, there are these sort of like really cool photos of sharks just basically just splashing about, having a great time in the ocean, but like real close to people. And it's, it's this sort of like, those people didn't those people didn't get attacked they weren't sort of like freaking out and going after the sharks or anything and i'm not recommending that people yeah. just like jump on in the ocean with a with a load of sharks but it was quite a um a nice way of sort of like seeing the you know that a man and shark can can live alongside each other like perf- perfectly harmoniously those shark are as entitled to be in the ocean as humans are in fact more entitled that is where they live yeah so yeah that's their house <laughs> you're, you're their doing home. you're breaking and entering when you go into the ocean yeah exactly so like be respectful of those sharks that is where that is where they belong the simple solution if you are that sort of concerned about it just don't just don't go in the water like it's really it's really that straightforward the sharks yeah, and have it... a right to be there so and it's it's weird too because if you think about like these sort of man versus beast type of movies like Jaws, but like you know stuff like that le- leads to this mass you know murder of these creatures, which sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at something like that, shit didn't happen after The Revenant. It didn't happen after <laughs> The Edge with bears, and mm-hmm. you're way more likely to get killed by a bear simply by being on land. Yeah. Because that's where they live. <laughs> like, Blake, I think we've talked about it uh, on this show. Uh, mountain lions are a real concern where I live. Mm-hmm. Like, there have been people who have been attacked by mountain lions in my town. <laughs> and uh, we don't we don't just go, like, on mass extinction. Sp- it's, it's just super weird that this happened with sharks. Like, mm, yeah. what's the point like i i don't know of like you know i don't i didn't hear about this happening after the gray with liam neeson (laughs) to wolves or whatever Hmm. yeah i don't i don't get it and it's it seems like there's still like a weird sensationalized way of like reporting about sharks as well which is why i thought that that article that i was reading was was actually quite refreshing and and not sort of being Mm. like oh my goodness everyone out of the water like look at these giant sharks that are swimming alongside these humans it was like no like you know (laughs) they're they're there and that's fine as long as you know you're respectful of them and and their environment then it's it's you know it it's very unlikely like shark attacks are very rare like like we've said mm-hmm. but there was actually there was a report i cannot for the life of me remember what exactly the report was about recently i think it was something like really mundane like an aquarium was reopening in london or something so they were like yay the aquariums are reopening so like they did this new <laughs> they did the news report from like the reporter was going to be like inside the tank like doing the news report um I don't. I still don't know how they made that work, but I watched it and it did. <laughs> it did happen. And they were talking about how, like, 
the there was like a, a turtle in that tank or something who like had been very very interested in the cameras and had been trying to like eat through the like wires and stuff um mm-hmm. and there were also like sharks in the tank but that wasn't like the point of the report and then when it went back to like the news reporters in the studio they were like oh my goodness sharon are you not worried about the sharks in the tank and i'm sitting there watching it in my pajamas of a morning just like hold the phones like these are shark like they wouldn't put this <laughs> news reporter in this tank with these sharks if they thought it was somehow gonna end in her being eaten with these sharks so clearly it is safe but also why were they just trying to make like a non-story out of this thing and whip up this kind of sensationalism of being like oh sharks are something that have to be feared like i think the news reporter even said like oh we've we've seen jaws we know how this goes sort of thing so obviously my ears pricked up at any mention of jaws but it was also just a really irresponsible way of reporting on this thing i was like this is stupid i almost tweeted but then i was like i gotta go to work and and go on with my day now so (laughs) yeah well it's not like there's a damn great white in any aquarium in the world like they wouldn't be able to survive no uh, exactly because like reef sharks or something it's like they were fine yeah Yeah, they don't have that was my that was the part of of Aquaman that I was like, oh, <laughs> f this movie, is when he goes to an aquarium as a child and there's a fucking great white in the yeah. tank. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I fell asleep in that movie. I don't remember that, but <laughs> it's like it's at the beginning when he's a kid. And oh, I, I slept through the whole thing, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so he like he has this moment like he has this Harry Potter talking to a snake making this the mm-hmm. glass disappear type of moment. And he like just like mind melds with all these fish or whatever that are in the big aquarium. But one of them's a great white. And I was just like, what? Why? Why is this <laughs> happening? This is the dumbest. This movie's so stupid already. Yeah, we ignore the, like, Dolph Lundgren, like, riding on the back of sharks later in the film. Like, that is the dumbest film. The thing that the film does is having a great white in an aquarium. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I think it's because, like, there's... We can accept that fantasy element, yeah, right? Like, exactly. if we're signing up for an Aquaman movie, like, we, we expect <laughs> stuff like that. But in sure. this, like, very real-world situation we could find ourselves in, minus the ta- talking to the fish, you're not going to see a great white in a tank. And if you do... <laughs> That place should be shut down. Also, the Great White would just be motionless at the bottom of the tank. It would be dead. Like, it yeah. would die immediately in in a tank like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there would be no other fish in no. that tank. <laughs> there is a reason why they do not put these sharks in aquariums. One, it's cruel. Two, they would die. This is not a realistic at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, a, a great white does not rest. They have to remain constantly in motion. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> that's that was our talk about Peter Benchley. Um, <laughs> well, we really went on. <laughs> went on yeah, we sure did. But uh, so to to add to the 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 what we were talking about way before we got onto the shark concert uh, conservation aspects of Peter Benchley's career. Um, and you were talking about the, uh, the poster with the, the cloud in the shape of a killer shark. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's also earlier in the scene when Brody is walking, um, across the beach, there's an umbrella on the ground Mm -hmm. and it looks like there's, there's a particular moment when the camera uh, sweeps by it 
where like it's segmented off into triangles like an umbrella uh you guys should know what an umbrella looks like and it's like green and white and then it pans over and there's just this white segment of the umbrella coming up out of the sand and it looks just like a shark fin Mm. to the point and it's very in the foreground brody's even behind it uh and it looks very intentional to show like this shark fin shape um coming out of the sand and i love that part i think that's really great Mm. um like a just just a great little visual uh cue to to add to the tension mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's a it's a really neat uh bit of visual storytelling and and this is something that jules does so well but the um what's the the designer of that poster I'm, i assumed you were sort of looking it up in the background or did we have it on our uh somewhere on our discord the laurent Lor- Daru. yeah that's L- yeah the, um yep yeah, where it's this sort of like uh, very cool like Jaws alternate poster where it's got the umbrella and then it's got the sort of segment in it which is um, black and looking like the shark's fin. So clear, I think that that particular shot inspired um, that poster design. But I, because I I didn't pick out on the um, umbrella thing the the first time I watched this scene, which is stupid because now it is all I can see. Um, yeah it's super obvious once you notice it and not just that but like all of the umbrellas on the beach are are basically the same i mean they're different colors but so Mm -hmm. whoever the umbrella guy or gal is for amity they've uh they've done a trade in their umbrella hire um pretty sure they're gonna have a a good summer uh financially um but that that sort of like uh that shape um when you sort of like pick it out you sort of see it all over the place so even just like a little bit further along from that bit where it looks like the fin is coming out of the sand you then see an umbrella that is sort of like over the water and it looks like obviously the fin is in the water which is almost sort of like direct foreshadowing for the kind of fake uh cardboard fin bit that we get coming up very very soon um and also i mean something i've just thought about really is with all of these umbrellas like all over the beach and the triangles and and when you sort of catch one of them you you're kind of like shark fin oh shark fin oh there's another shark fin it's really mm-hmm. putting that point across which i sort of mentioned at the top which is just like how much harder this is going to be for those shark spotters for that helicopter that is sort of circling round and round the beach for the guys out on the boats for brody who is just out you know who is on the beach i mean he's out of everyone really the the most helpless <laughs> because he can't do much just like from the beach apart from just make sure yeah. that people are staying out of the water but you're really getting that sense of like oh this shark could be anywhere obviously it's not on the beach coming out of the sand uh this isn't the film sand sharks um which is terrible by the way and i wouldn't recommend people watch <laughs> that one as a shark film um but yeah it's it's a a very neat kind of uh visual thing that's like i said the on take one of this episode record i had not picked up the thing about the umbrella at all um and since then and since watching the scene again i'm like this is all i can see now and it is everywhere not just in that sort of like bit that's in the foreground (laughs) yeah um also this bit of of brody walking across the beach it reminds me this is gonna sound real real weird uh it reminds me of atonement 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> but in the opposite direction. So they're coming in from the the the, the water, right? Mm. At, at the beginning of Atonement. Is that yeah, correct? I think so. Uh, at the beginning of Atonement. At the beginning of that scene in Atonement. Um, but the way the camera moves reminds me a lot of... Because they're going past, like, the abandoned, like... Uh, carnival theme park type thing Mm. um in that scene and this has like the carnival sounding music and the the carnival looking tense like we'll we talk about all that next week but uh (laughs) it it, you know it just it was weird to be like wait wait a minute did did the inspiration for that that long take in atonement come from freaking jaws like (laughs) it just I don't know. There's something about the camera placement and all the people on the beach and like all the activity and stuff that really reminds me of that sequence. Yeah, I I hadn't thought about that. But now you mention it, obviously, this is, again, like another sort of um, pretty long take, um, again, which we've seen quite a bit of in the film so far. And um, you really get the sense of, I mean, just how many people are on, on the beach and how, and how chaotic uh the environment is as well and um i think you mentioned there as well like the the music and that was something that i i did want to pick up on because not sure i had ever really connected the dots on this on this point before but the music that we can hear in this scene um the little bandstand that we see at the beginning there is um it's, it's hard to see but there is like a, a brass band in there basically who are who are playing this music in the scene so we are hearing it as the sort of soundtrack to this scene and obviously the people on the on the beach are hearing it as well um so the the music that you can obviously or the characters can hear uh in the scene is is called diegetic uh, music and it got me thinking about like the other times in the film that diegetic music is used and there's a, a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a tenuous link but i think there is something in it where other times that we have heard um, music within the scene itself or other examples of diegetic music has generally been sort of directly before um, the shark's appearance or sort of like leading up to um, the shark uh, making its next appearance. So the going right back to the beginning of the film before uh, Chrissy is attacked, there are the, the kids on the beach uh, that are playing guitar and uh uh what are the uh, mouth uh mouth organs is that what they're called harmonica that's the badger yeah (laughs) like (laughs) those things those mouth instrument things um i think they're called mouth organs as well i don't think i've just made that up we'll see anyway (laughs) Um, i've heard of uh it's a different instrument but the mouth harp okay is a thing right i'm now looking at mouth organ just in case i'm insane mouth organ it's all the tongue. That is the organ in the mouth. Um, I know the tongue's not an organ. Don't don't at me. I know. I was just being dumb. Yeah, there we go. When I put in mouth organ, Google then comes up with harmonica, also known as French harp or mouth organ. Um, great. Oh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> not the point I was about to make. Um, but there is that music heard at the beginning of the film before, uh, obviously, Chrissy gets attacked. Um and uh, on the beach as well, pre-Alex Kintner attack, um, we hear a, a sort of tinny radio playing some kind of crappy pop song. Um, and uh, going forward as well, right before the um, the orca is, is attacked, is it like right before the shark sort of like 
it's it's not quite when Quint is um is killed. It's a little bit before that, but the the shark sort of attacks the attacks the orca like right after they've sung um show me the mm-hmm. way to go home so yep. again um i i don't know it just it feel it's it's not something i've noticed before or picked up on but i'm just like is there something is there something in this and obviously the the jaws score the thing that we as the audience hear a lot you know the score does a lot of the the heavy lifting in this film particularly when the mechanical shark wasn't working, the the score from John Williams kind of like stands in as as the shark and uh, as sort of like a meme of of like you know the characters in Jaws can't hear the Jaws music, so why are they scared? <laughs> so why are they scared of the shark? Um, yeah, and that is true. Uh, John Williams is not on the beach with his orchestra, uh, sort of playing the score. Would be very cool, but he isn't. Um, so there is music that the characters hear within the film and it's just a weird kind of coincidence that whenever they're before a shark attack or even before someone someone is killed that there is music heard within the film itself yes yeah it, it's it's sort of like everyone gets their own bespoke jaws theme sure. uh, and they just don't know it <laughs> that's a good way of looking at it yeah <laughs> Yeah, I was that. I don't know. Was that something that you'd like really considered or thought about before, or does it make any sense <laughs> why that would be? Why there is that uh, connection there? Or no, and I've here's the thing: you brought it up on the first recording of this, <laughs> and I still have not stopped thinking about it, and I can't figure it out. And I didn't look anything up, but I did have time to look up. Um, mouth organ Harry Potter, because when I typed in mouth organ, that's what came up. Anyway, um, the so that's on, that's on me, I guess. Apparently there's a mouth organ on, uh, on, uh, in the Half-Blood Prince. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I had anything else, um, in my notes unless, unless you did. Uh, nope. I don't believe so. Um, yeah, that'll do it this week. Uh, this, we we recorded this episode twice. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so, sorry about that, everyone. Some stuff went wacky in Audacity, and then my recording got corrupted. So, here we are. Um, so, uh, do you have anything that you wanted to plug, Sarah? Um, yeah, I will mention again the um, jump charity initiative so i feel like this uh in episode 35 is is gonna be all kinds of messed up because i think in that episode i was like i'm still doing it i'm still knitting um this is in the future or the past whatever way uh weird time travel thing um is going on with these episodes but um yeah i finished uh doing my knitting uh for the jump cut charity initiative i think I, i've got one more hat to finish but uh basically all of them done um so they uh jump cut are doing this uh charity initiative this year supporting mind which is a mental health charity and uh india's covid crisis um so my contribution to that was uh knitting some very lovely uh mcu themed hats so there's some very very uh bold and bright superhero colored hats that are going to be available to be one um if you donate uh 10 pounds 10 dollars whatever it is um or more 
then you will be in the chance of winning one of those and a bunch of other prizes as well. So um, if you follow me on Twitter, then you can, you'll probably find the link that I've shared somewhere or um, look for Jump Cut online as well. And they've got the, the link to donate there. Um, and uh, as well, I, I have another podcast which you can listen to going through the disney animated classics at the moment um as part of a series for Jumpcast. so new episodes of that release every friday uh we are 50 maybe 51 films <laughs> in now uh so not long to go at all um but plenty of episodes to catch up on if anyone wants to check that out yeah, uh, I have another podcast called Real Perspective. Um, hopefully by the time this is out. No, not by the time this is out. This will be out pretty soon, like within the next day or two from when we're recording this, I hope. <laughs> and um, very soon, this week sometime, um, if you're listening to this within the weeks that this was released, uh, we should have an episode up about Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, it's been hard to have a podcast about current release movies during the pandemic <laughs> so we've been slow goings but we're going to sit down and talk about it also with moving everything's gonna have to be remote for us now which sucks but uh yeah we'll figure something out and and we'll have a more consistent release schedules fairly soon ish um but yeah it's called real perspective that's r-e-e-l perspective because we talk about movies get it um and yeah, that'll be out soonish. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, there's an Oscars podcast we have where we didn't watch the Oscars, but we talked about them. And we didn't watch all the nominees, but we talked about them. And uh, that was maybe a dumb idea. But hey, content. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's it, I think, as far as personal stuff to plug um there's not a blind spot for either one of us that the other person's going to be annoying about uh them watching i guess the wages of fear is it's my turn next right oh yeah yeah i'm i'm all good i've watched uh i've watched tintin uh i've watched all the things i've been told to watch so far so so you need to watch that yeah oh i will say be on lookout for our own sort of charity something that's in its infancy i don't know if we want to announce that that's in the works necessarily it's uh it's not we have no real final ideas and we uh will both have some big changes in our lives in the next handful of weeks so it'll be after that probably um one idea i did have and let us know if you would like this because i think we could make it happen fairly easily is I was thinking about streaming the video game Man Eater, um, which if you guys don't know what that is, it is, uh, it's a, it's a video game where you play a shark. Uh, you you are a shark seeking revenge on the man <laughs> who murdered your mother and ripped you out of her womb, <laughs> um, on television. <laughs> um so th th which is a crazy story for a game uh to me but you play as a shark and you get to eat a lot of people and you get more points for creatively eating them and then you can also eat other fish life and fight a kraken <laughs> and become a mutant shark mm -hmm. and I think there's a sequel or some DLC coming out that basically explains that you're the product of extraterrestrials. <laughs> it is a wild concept for a game. 
So let me know if you guys would like to see me stream that game from my Xbox because uh, I can I can do that fairly easily. I don't know anything about the commentary um, or video component of that, but uh, we can we can figure it out and make it happen, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was that was an idea I had. Uh, It seems like it'd be a fun game to stream for you guys uh, so we could like kind of hang out in the chat or whatever. Um, and, you know, get to interact with, with you guys a little more, uh, personally, I guess, um, than, than we usually do. But yeah, uh, let, let us know if you have an idea of what you would like to see from us. Uh, I think we ruled out no 24 hour shitty shark movie marathon (laughs) because Sarah has already done that once in her life and you only get so many, you only get so many years on this planet. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think because uh, Martin did that one with me, I think his word, like exact words after that were, I am never doing that again. So um, <laughs> I would feel bad for inflicting it upon him once again. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. But if you have any <laughs> any thoughts of, of what you would like to, to see or, or hear or uh, participate in, uh, let us know. We are definitely open to suggestions, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can let us know. Uh, on our Twitter account at Jaws for a Minute um, on Twitter, uh, you can follow us personally at MJ Smith eight nine one and at Sarah Buttery S A R A H B U D D E R Y, um, and you can email us if you have any ideas or, or want to be involved or anything like that, um, or have any feedback for the show. You can email us at Jaws for a Minute at gmail um, and yeah, tell us tell us what you think of the show. Even if you hate us, I guess. We probably <laughs> would not like that. But you can do that because you're your own person, I suppose. Um, if you would like to support the show a little more publicly, um, a free way you can do that is to rate and review on iTunes and Spotify. Um, and we would very much appreciate it. Uh, Inside Jaws, we're coming after you. Um, help make us the top film podcast uh, about Jaws. Uh, and if you want some merch... Uh, you can you can buy, buy yourself some merch. We have two incredible designs from uh, our, uh, our our good friend of the show, Alex, who has a new book out, right? Yeah. Um, with his character, is it Trexy? Yeah, Trexy. Trexy goes to space. Is the new book? Um, it's real cute uh, for kids, but I'll be honest. I read the first one, and it's great. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, yeah, and, uh, so, Ale- yeah, the, the artwork in it is real great. I love Trexy as a character. Um, it's just, like, Trexy's real cute. Real cute, uh, little dinosaur that goes on adventures. And this time they're in space! Um, and, uh, yeah, so, me, uh, make sure to follow, uh, Alex. Give him a, a, a shout. And, uh, uh, it's at Hex Ghosts, plural, or one? Singular. Um, it's Hex ghosts on instagram and hex shadow on twitter just to be confusing but yes. oh. oh okay <laughs> got it hex shadow on twitter hex ghosts on instagram yeah. <laughs> um okay and then uh if you would like to uh just support us uh and and just give 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 us money to uh help us get to martha's vineyard in 2025 um <laughs> We have a coffee page set up that you can donate to. And once we sit, once we hit a certain threshold of donors, you will be automatically entered into um, a drawing 
to win some merch. So, um, you know, I think it's a $3 minimum buy-in and you could win, you know, a potentially like $20 t-shirt. Um, so do, do that if you want. Um, <laughs> we would appreciate it. And you will get a shout out on the show as well if you donate uh, because we appreciate it and we appreciate you guys listening. Um, last thing, shout out to uh, Kristen Falls uh, who wrote and performed our wonderful theme song tiger shark which is available for purchase on her Bandcamp, which you can find the link to on her instagram page and on instagram she is at kristen falls music all uh lowercase um so yeah that's it uh for this episode thank you guys for bearing with us through the technical difficulties we're working on it uh it, it, sh- it shouldn't be too often uh that's always the hope at least um but yeah until next time it's jaws o'clock somewhere <laughs>